You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. We want to welcome those of you that are home with us today as well, and we're glad that you're uh, here. We've got a nice crowd that's uh, in-house today. We appreciate the effort that y'all made to be here. This uh, past week, I think it was on Wednesday, uh, we had uh, Honor of Veterans Day. Now, I say this at great risk because in all likelihood, I'm going to miss somebody. If there's somebody that's actually here, let me know that I've missed you. But let me, uh, let me just give a shout out because uh, the people that made these choices in life, uh, they did that with uh, some sacrifice and commitment to our nation. And these are some of the veterans that I'm aware of that are in our church body. Les Cleaver, that uh, plays up here on Sunday mornings faithfully, U.S. Navy. John Mueller, U.S. Navy as well. Bill McClure, Army. Eric Snodgrass, U.S. Navy. Dennis Potts, Air Force. Barney Rogers, Marines. Kyle Beasley, Army Green Beret. Some of you may wonder why we have uh, an usher like Kyle, because he's a Green Beret. That's why we have guys like that. So we're thankful for your service, and I apologize right now that if I've missed anybody, because that was never my intent, but to give you the opportunity. Uh, You see on stage with us this morning, and I don't know if the camera will pick it up, but you'll see on stage with us the shoebox uh, ministry gifts that are part of the Samaritan's Purse that many of you have contributed to. Uh, there may be still some opportunity to kind of catch up with the flow. I don't know, Gail, if there's, if this is kind of it today, tomorrow. Okay. So anyway, they got to be. Uh, we've got to have them in hand tomorrow at least to to get them in the cycle. But uh, I'd like to pray over those because the reality is, for those gifts, um, it's just a, a, it's not just the fact of the contents. So let's pray for a moment, Father. We just uh, we pray and we commit these gifts that are going over to these kids. And Father, we understand that, that they'll be joyous. They'll have things that they, that they probably haven't seen or had in their life as far as gifts and things and toys. But Father, even more than that, we, uh, we pray over the message that accompanies these boxes as they go into these nations, Lord, that, that the name of Jesus Christ be glorified as the process And I'm so thankful for the people that commit their time and their energy and their finances to make all that happen. Just pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You remember in this Titus study that uh, it takes place on an island of Crete. Crete's a small island off of Greece. And what happened is that in a church planning mode, Paul and Titus had gone to Crete and had been spreading the word and, and planting churches, Christian churches there. And then Paul left to go on to his missionary journeys. He left Titus there. And Paul is writing back in the book of Titus saying, Titus, here's some things you need to be aware of. Here's some things you need to do. Just some coaching that's going on. And again, trying to give him encouragement for the ministry he's in. So we've been in that book now for the last several weeks. We're going to be uh, doing a part two. Uh, Eric is not here today. Uh, he's in quarantine, symptom-free, 
Nate's in quarantine, symptom-free from a coach that was a, that they were connected with. Uh, Nancy Shrum is home and has COVID and is fighting through that's had kind of a difficult week, but I think is still holding her own to the best I know and, and hopefully starting to turn around on the other end of that and show some improvements. But, but Eric started last week with the intent of continuing, so I'm kind of his substitute today. But he was doing a two-part uh, lesson on grace, grace. So if you're following, if you have version uh, on your phone or your iPad, it'll be in there too. But here's a true and false question I want to start you with this morning. True and false. True or false. God has removed my sins far from me as far as the east is from the west. That's a true or false statement. God has removed my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. True? Okay. And that is a true statement. And you find that in Psalms 103, and that's really a quote that comes from Psalms 103, verse 12. Now, many of you that are mature in your faith, you understand when it talks about this forgiveness of the sins business and moving as far as east and west, you understand that principle. Now, for some of us, we have it in our head, and I'm talking about people sitting here today, people that are watching us on the, at home, but for some of us, we actually have that concept in our head, but we've yet to move it that 15 inches from our brain to our heart. So it's head knowledge, but it has not yet become heart knowledge. And for others still, they don't understand that that is truly a promise that God made to us. Again, God has removed my sins farther than the east is from the west. And if you think how far that is, that's as far as you can get, right? And so he's removed my sins. So today we take on this second part of this topic of grace that Eric had started last week. And in real simple terms, that's how I reduce it so that I get it, in real simple terms, that grace is a gift that we receive that we didn't deserve. Grace is a gift that we receive that we didn't deserve. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, just a quick verse there, third chapter, 18th verse, it says this, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You must grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, grace and knowledge isn't just about salvation. I think sometimes we, we kind of get that and we say, okay, well, that's what that has to do with it. But it's not just about grace and knowledge. And if I have those things, I get this trip to heaven and I'm saved. And when earth ends here, I kind of know where I'm going to go. But grace and knowledge has a great deal more as well to do with this very verse that we just read. Because what we're told to do is we're supposed to grow in this understanding, in this knowledge of grace and knowledge. We're supposed to understand what a great gift that that is. So let's look again as we look at Titus. We're in the second chapter. We're going to just be in verses 11 through 15. It's a pretty quick, pretty quick read this morning. But those are our core verses this morning. So I don't know if you recall, but in your childhood, but, but in, in your childhood, there was always this anticipation of Christmas. I remember as a kid sneaking around the house trying to figure out if there were gifts there, perhaps that my mom had, given, was, had bought, 
on beyond what perhaps some of you think about the Santa Claus concept. But I, but, but I remember that we were, there was always this anticipation of a gift under the tree. We were fortunate at our house, even growing up, that we, had, that we got multiple gifts. So what we would do, even with our kids, we would try to figure out how do I save the biggest, the best gift to last. Anybody ever do that? You know, because you had gifts open, so you'd open one from an aunt or an uncle or something. You knew, okay, they always get me socks. So you'd save that best gift to the last thing because that's what you just had that anticipation for. Well, see, when we think about this gift, this grace, it is infinitely better than the biggest gift that we could think of here on planet Earth. It's just, it's, we can't take that lightly. I think sometimes we, we don't fully understand what that grace was for. In verse 11 in Titus 2, it says, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, some might say that, well, I tell you what, I don't deserve forgiveness. Now, I don't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you might say, I don't deserve forgiveness? See, a lot of us would say, I, I, don't, I don't deserve that. Well, the truth is, is, is just what we said. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve it. But that's where the concept of grace comes in because grace comes in as a result of the gift of Jesus Christ that makes us worthy of forgiveness, not something that we just deserve. I don't know if any of you ever met name droppers before. If you ever you got anybody in your mind that's kind of that, that you're around that's kind of a name dropper, well, I have to admit I've been guilty of that a number of times in my life. Because it seems like that if, you, if you've met a famous person or maybe you're connected to a famous person or there's some powerful executive that you happen to know on a first name basis, it seems like there's just something inside of us that we just want to let people know that we know them. You know, it's just, it's hard to do. You'd be in a conversation and someone, well, we, uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I did this or I went to school with or whatever the circumstance was that connected you with them. Well, see, name dropping can come across to those, those that are on the other side of it. Name dropping can come across as being a circumstance where, where we're being prideful, that we're being boastful, or maybe better than thou as a result of who we know that you probably don't know, the powerful, famous people that I've met. Well, see, name dropping when it's Jesus, though, is a completely different thing. Because it is the time that who you know makes all the difference. Who you know makes all the difference. See, grace is a strange concept because really when we're raised, oftentimes if you're raised in kind of the normal household, we're really taught that you get what you deserve. Anybody heard that? You get what you deserve. And we're kind of raised to understand that. But see, the concept of grace is different. We get what we don't deserve. It seems to be backwards to us, but if you think about it as a Christian, if you understand that concept, you go, it's a gift. I get something I absolutely did not deserve because of the death of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, see, it isn't what you did. 
that makes you deserving. It's what you, or uh, pardon me, it's who you know that makes you deserving. In verse 11 that we just read, it says, the who I know is what saves me, not what I know. Because it, said, it, it talked about that in the very fact that it's Jesus that came for our salvation. In verse 12, it goes on, it says, the grace, the, I'm, this, I'm putting this par, par, parenthetically, it says it, but it's really talking about the grace of God teaches us to say no to un, ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Well, Coach reminded us last week when he was talking that, that because we have grace, we have to understand that is not a license for us to continue sinning and know that, you know, even though I'm saved, and what I can do is I can continue sinning because I've got a get-out-of-hell-free card, Right? And that's what he was saying. That isn't the way it is. There was never an intention for grace to be just to get out of hell free card and to get caught up into worldly passions and know you'll be excused if you choose to live that way. But what scripture said in verse 12, it said rather what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to live a self-controlled life. We're supposed to live an upright life. And we're supposed to live a godly life. You know, see, one of my biggest fears is that I, when I read, when I read verse 12 and kind of study that, one of my biggest fears is that when it comes to this living a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in the present age, that maybe we would take that really for granted. I don't know if you've been to baseball games, most of you have, or softball games, and it seems like when you watch the little bitty kids, it's almost always happens if you go to more than one game. But you'll see the kids, they go out and take the field, and, you know, they got people coming up to bat. But you look out in right field, and guess what? There's a kid on their knees picking clover. And you kind of go, holy cow, especially if you're the coach, or, you know. But, you know, it just seems like inevitably there's one or two, but they're out there, they're picking clover. And the ball game's going on, but they have not one idea in the world about what's going on in the ball game because they're intent on, on just kind of picking through the clover and looking at things and watching the birds and the sky. See, one of the biggest risks for us Christians, metaphorically, is that we become clover pickers too. That's a big risk for us in the church. See, our faith isn't a game. But it can be compared, I think, as, as a Christian, that if we're not careful, what we can do is we can just kind of cruise through life and take our faith for granted. Churches are full of them, that they have a, a get-out-of-hell-free card, and, and, I, and it's kind of what I do, and that's where I see my friends, and, and I can just put it on cruise and kind of live my life normally tangled up in the world. Because after all, when you think about the United States, you think about America, it's a pretty comfy place. We have challenges, we do, but I mean, you know, we, we typically have food, transportation, infrastructure. You know, we have those kind of things. It's a comfy place. But what we have to do is we have to be careful that we aren't one that just decides to be a clover picker and kind of float through life. And we look at verse 12 again, it, where it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness 
and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. See, notice what it says. Read it kind of closely with me. It says, it doesn't say to know about it, okay? Look at the terminology. It doesn't say to know about those things. It says that what it means to be upright and godly in the present age. It uses an active word. It says to live that way. To live that way. We're to live a self-controlled life. That's what scripture teaches us. We're to live an upright life. We're to live a godly life. It's an active thing. It's something we're supposed to do. And a lot of people, we understand the concepts, but when it comes to the application of the concepts and actually going out and living that way, see, that's back to my fears again, that as Christians, that what we might do is we might just decide that we'll slide through life rather than to live it as Scripture tells us. There's a concept called bare minimum. You may have read about it. It's an awful thought because the reality is it says after grace, after we have this gift that's given to us, this awesome gift, bigger than anything under our Christmas tree. And it's a gift that frankly we don't deserve. It's this gift of salvation. It's this opportunity for us to live this full Christian life that we might think that really, you know, kind of I qualified myself and all I'm really doing is I'm, kind of, I'm just going to kind of live my life and wait for my dispatch to heaven. It's a fearful thought, I think, because what it does is it, it actually encourages us to do the bare minimum, to do the bare minimum. What can I do or what little can I do and still just kind of squeak through the pearly gates? Just as long as I can kind of get there and kind of slide in between there, I'm going to be okay. And that's an awful thought that we might be tempted to do the bare minimum. See, it's not at all what our author Paul writes as he writes about encouragement and instruction to Titus and what he's supposed to do to coach up the people there in Crete and to help them understand accountability. And it's not at all what's expected of us. I can tell you that, that what Christ expects of us is not the bare minimum. We understand what he gave, what he sacrificed, the people around him, what they gave and what they sacrificed. And see, grace teaches us to say no to the world. That's what grace teaches us. It, it teaches us to say no to the world and say yes to righteous living. In verse 13, it says, while we, were, while we wait, we're to do these things. You know, we're to, we're to live righteously. We're to do these things in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope. So really, if you're reading that for the first time this morning, your question is, is the, we wait for the blessed hope. What is it? Well, the, it's, it's asked and answered in the same thing because it says the blessed hope is the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you out of Matthew, the 16th chapter. It's about three or four verses. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves 
and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. For whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. I want to focus with you just for a few things to pull out of those verses. This is what it said. It says that we're to deny ourself. That's what it says. We're to deny ourself. And really, to me, it's, it, it means that by denying ourself, it means that we're to put Jesus first. If you just think about the word picture, it seems like that for many of us, we kind of go through life and, and we have Jesus with us. He's beside us. He's behind us. But maybe it's not Jesus in front of us. And when we talk about denying ourselves, that's when we make a conscious choice, a life choice and a conscious choice, a daily choice, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, I tell you what, I'm going to give you ups, okay? I'm going to give you ups. I want you to be in front of me. I, I don't want you to be beside me because, again, you know, we're, like, we're not like co-captains of my life. You know, we're not going to be co-captains. I don't need you behind me because that means basically that whatever I, the choices I made, I make without you. I can't see you, can't hear you. But what I want, I, I need to deny my first. I want Jesus to be first in my life. I want him to be the lead. I want him to be in front of me. I want him to be setting the line of sight for me so I know how I'm supposed to live. Then it goes on and it says, besides denying yourself, you're to take up your cross. Take up your cross. So what we have to do is we have to, first we have to understand the cross, right? And we have to identify that that cross is a symbol for us of a lot of things. But, but what we have to do is we have to identify with that cross that it is in fact, it's a symbol of Jesus' life. It's a symbol of his death and it's a symbol of his resurrection. And believe me, without resurrection, I don't even know why we'd have a Christmas day. I don't know why we'd even get together and meet. We just kind of like mail in stuff or something. But the reality for us, the first thing we need to do when it comes to taking up our crosses, we have to understand what the cross is we're taking up. What is that emblem? What's that for? Secondly, then we have to understand that it says, take up his cross. It's also our cross. And see, for each one of you in here, your cross will be a little bit different. Uh, it's a cross of Christ, no doubt. But when, when you take up your cross, it's different. It may differ by day. You know, you've, you're, you've gone through things that many other people in this audience have not gone through. You know, we've, we've had circumstances. We've done dumb stuff. We've had relationships that didn't work out. We've, had, we've lost loved ones. But whatever those circumstances are, we have to understand that those are the, the, you know, that's the cross that we shoulder. That's the cross we bear. Now, that sounds pretty negative when you think about it, but all it really is saying is that you take up your cross. You take up whatever your circumstances are, 
whatever your life has brought to you, and then you do the things that would glorify God as a result of that. You know, it's always said that, that God never wastes a hurt. And I believe that's true, and we see that even in the cross. Because a lot of times with the cross, we get to share the wonderful things that worked out for us in our testimony. But there's some things that, guess what? We just have to deal with. We have to put up with. It's just what life has brought us. But I can bear my cross, and I can still be joyful in doing it. And then the third thing was that in, as we saw in Matthew 16 was that, that we're then to follow him. Now, there may be some that are listening at home or someplace else, somebody in this, in this audience, but it says that we're to follow him. And see, really, you can deny yourself and talk about a cross, but the reality, if you haven't made a conscious choice to follow him, then all the rest really is for naught. And what we have to do is just ask ourselves. I might have been in church my whole life, but, but it, have I accepted Jesus as my Savior? Have I really denied myself? Have I actually put him in charge? Do I understand the concepts of grace? Do I have any idea of what he's done for me? Something I don't deserve, but yet he loved me enough that he would do those things for me. Do I understand that like in Psalms 103 said, that when it comes to my sins, guess what? Every one of us has them. When it comes to our sins, if, if I'm a believer, he has forgiven my sins for as far as the east is to the west. In verse 13, it goes on and says, While we wait for the blessed hope, which is the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people, that's us, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Are we eager to do what is good? Are we eager to live uprightly? Are we, are we eager to have a righteous life? Because, see, that's what it said, that blessed hope, that, that hope of Jesus coming back, that's what that's all about. And 15, then, these then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Rebuke, I think, is a weird word. But basically, you can't be mealy-mouthed. You, you have to speak about what God's Word says. You don't try to mince it. You don't try to, to change it because well, you don't understand what the social circumstances today are. Well, I do understand it. And I understand that what we're to believe is to line up with God's word. And that's what he's telling Titus. He said, you're to encourage the people. That's hopefully what I'm doing here today with you. And we're also to tell the truth as the truth in scripture. And do not let anyone despise you. We'll spend more time on that this week. But what I would want to leave you with today is I'd want to leave you with this thought. Grace. Remember what we said about it? It's a gift that we didn't deserve. That's why they call it a gift, right? It's a gift we didn't deserve. But we deserve it because Christ would give his life for us, that he would die for us, and ultimately he would be resurrected to show us what we have to look forward to. And to think about the fact that where you are in your life, am I... Do I deny myself? In other words, 
you know, you got you kind of got to look at the words, and it doesn't mean that you don't try to take care of yourself. You don't take a shower. It's not what I'm saying. But when you deny yourself, you're saying, Lord, I want you out in front of me. I want you to call the shots. I want you to be the shot caller for what's going to happen here. I'm willing to take up my cross. I need to take up my cross. Because my circumstances, the things I'm dealing with, the stuff that maybe doesn't go on, isn't going right at home, or whatever the circumstances are, Lord, I'm willing to, I'm still going to bring glory to your name, irrespective of the circumstances that I have lived through or am living through. And Lord, I want to make a choice that I want to follow you. I want to follow you above all else. I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to follow you. As the praise team comes, if you'll just bow your heads with me. Father, I'm, I just again, I come to you and I'm thankful, Father, for the opportunity for us to come together today. And Lord, we know that this world right now, I guess probably any generation father could say that, but this world right now seems to be so confused, so convoluted. Uh, we have so many outside factors and diseases and things we're coping with, Lord, that we have to deal with, Lord. But, but all that being said, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are that never-changing anchor for us. You're who we can look to, Father, and, and just know that that you're always there. Your word is consistent. You love us, irrespective of what else is going on in our life. Lord, that you love us. And again, Father, that you have chosen to give your son so we could have grace, not just as a passageway to heaven, Lord, but that we might live that out in an upright and godly fashion here on planet Earth. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.